Welcome to Money in the Air, the music podcast about neighboring rights, the royalties you earn from the public performance of your recordings and the business of music in general. Brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. I'm Andrew, a royalty consultant helping artists to collect on their value. Hi, I'm Gina Deacon. I work for Absolute Rights Management and I work with record labels and artists to ensure we claim the royalty income due to them. I'm Stacey Haber and I'm from Inside Baseball Music Publishing. Hey, welcome back to Money in the Air. This is the Neighboring Rights Podcast brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. And today we're talking all things Latin America. I am so excited we have with us Sammy Schilling Robinson, who is our expert on South America and Central America. Hi, Sammy. I work for Song Trader and I am the VP of Neighboring Rights. My focus is the entire Latin America territory, including Central America. I've been working with several countries in Latin America since 2016, even before some of them even paid neighboring rights. We have very, very close relationships with several CMOs in which we work very closely in representing both master owners and performers. Brazil is a very interesting case study because Brazil is the only country in the world where there is a central organization called ECAD that in essence governs all of the seven CMOs that Brazil currently has. What that means is that every single association form combined has a seating and a voting power in this organization called ECAD. So every time that they want to move forward an initiative or every time that they want to change or even introduce new projects, it has to be voted by every single member and in essence, unanimous voting in order for the initiative to pass or continue on the table for discussion. We don't have that anywhere else in the world. And let me just add a quick note that I was born and raised in Brazil. These relationships that I have forged over the years are very close to my heart, mostly because that's the country that I grew up with. Even though I have left 17 years ago, it's still a very much not only a passion of mine to work with Latin America, but it almost feels like a duty to give back and bring value outside of the territory as well. With having said that, with the structure of how ECAD operates, ECAD establishes the rates for, for broadcast and terrestrial. So with that in mind, with neighboring rights, it wasn't until up to 2012 that the conversation really started hitting it up. And then in 2016, there was a massive settlement between the broadcasters and ECAD upon a voting within all the seven members of ECAD. That settlement came the excitement of recognition of neighboring rights, not only recognition, but let me also add payment to this new vertical that up until then, even though Brazil is a signatory of the Rome Convention, it wasn't implemented into the ECAD ecosystem. With a very exciting new development within ECAD came a huge roadblock, and that is that Brazil does not recognize work for hire. So in 2018, there was this huge conversation on we have X amount of millions of dollars sitting in Brazil now from this settlement, and we have to figure out how to pay it. And the question was, how do you pay the performer if the performer within Brazilian legislation has to be the owner of the master, has to be the producer of the sound recording? So 
several conversations were brought to the table. I was working with Abramos and continue to work with Abramos. I went to Brazil in 2018. We were all sitting at the table with Abramos president, Dr. Roberto. And the question was, how do we push forward and how do we find a way to make sure that performers can get paid without having to be forced to own the master. Because as we know, the industry outside of Brazil is very much on a work for hire basis. So the solution to that was separating performers from master owners and recognizing that on the international front, performers are performers and not necessarily master owners and shouldn't have to be obligated to be master owners. Around March of 2019, ECAD passed this initiative. And ever since then, we have been able to collect on behalf of master owners and performers without having to associate one with the other by default. So a performer can get paid even if the master rights holder doesn't register as the rights holder? That's correct. So performer, the international performer, and this again, this does not apply to Brazil um, because Brazilian composers and performers, they still have to retain ownership of their master. But having said that, for international performers, they don't have to fall under this qualification and therefore are qualified to collect their performer rights on the master sound recording without having to own the master. 41.7% for the master, 41.7% for the performer, and that has to be shared amongst the performers or just one performer, depending on how the audiovisual or the soundtrack is in essence put out. And then 16.6% goes to non-feature performer. That's a great system, really well done. We need you in the rest of the world. And how far north does Latin America reach as a concept? Does it include Central America and Mexico? Yes, it does. And as a matter of fact, Mexico is on a 15 month hiatus right now on the neighboring right side because of the pandemic and they are supposed to have an assembly every month and this assembly votes in new members new clients new performers new master owners and they have been on hiatus for 15 months so right now mexico is not accepting any new clients until the situation with COVID kind of finds itself a solution. I spoke with SACAM yesterday, which is the public performance side in Mexico. And because the case numbers of COVID are rising really fast, everybody's back on lockdown and it's going to be a while before Mexico go back to accepting new members and, and really start paying on neighboring rights again. That's very sad. And not just from a money point of view, but from a person to person point of view. Colombia is on the same situation right now. We have been able, we have been collecting in Colombia very successfully, but up until April of last year. And because so many broadcasters have been hit with the pandemic, especially with the drop in advertising, what is happening is that everything that we have been able to collect up until April of last year, compared to what they have paid from that point on is a huge discrepancy in amount. And mostly because of how big the impact of COVID has been on the broadcasters. Wow. And so that money is being held and registrations are frozen. But once everything starts working again and knock on wood that everybody's healthy again, will they backdate? 
In Mexico, yes. In Colombia, they are paying. They're just, they dropped their rates tremendously. So what we would have collected in 2019 versus what we are collecting now, it's a huge discrepancy of almost 90% of what that would have looked like before the pandemic. Is that because the rates are flat as opposed to a percentage? The rates are flat, yes. But broadcasters are just not paying right now because they have been hit massively with their main form of revenue, which is advertising. Right. As aggravating as that is, we don't want to put anyone out of business. And is that because broadcast hasn't flourished in the same way that streaming services have during the pandemic? The Netflix and the Amazon Primes, where you don't have advertising because you pay a monthly Yes. And this is interesting, Stacey, because in Brazil, yes, we do have Netflix. And yes, Amazon is just establishing themselves in Brazil right now. Very interesting because Brazil has a very strong paid TV market, which is almost like our direct TV. And I'm just using direct TV as an example. Direct TV here has almost been replaced by the OTT platforms. But in Brazil, that's not the case yet because it's so ingrained in our culture to have that closed TV, what we call net subscription. It's almost like a status having that at home. In essence, a lot of shows that would be broadcasting at Netflix, for example, they are on an actual paid TV channel, which then generates more back end when you're looking at the royalty standpoint on collections. That makes sense. And it's fascinating. I love this, how different it is and how similar it is. Speaking of on-demand content, is there anything on the horizon for neighboring rights paying on on-demand streams? So Yes, one of the initiatives on the OTT front, up until last year, they did not have to pay neighboring rights. And as of October of 2020, the initiative has been put on the table for neighboring rights to start being recognized. Now, the question is, is it going to come out of the public performance already back end that they pay? Is that going to be divided uh, into neighboring rights as well? Just so that you understand a little bit of the formula, two-thirds of the payments that the broadcasters pay are for public performance, and one-third is neighboring rights. The question is, is are the OTT companies now going to be looking at taking a percentage of that money that they already pay towards public performance to neighboring rights, or is that going to be an extra? And that's what it's on the table for discussion right now. Which way do you think it will go? Just a guess, like it was a game show. As a guess, I do believe that they might want to either, if, if not get it already, split the pie that they already paid towards public performance entirely, or at least partially. I don't believe that the OTT companies will be uh, willing to just add another payment on top of what they already pay um, for public performance. So I think there's going to be some negotiation that perhaps if not partial, the whole amount gets redistributed. I mean, if I am on the OTT side, I will, I will be pushing for that. But since I am on the performer side, I have to look more from the lenses of what is in the best interest of the performers and clients. But the caveat of this is that um, there is also conversations in which how much should Latin America in general recognize international performers and how much should they get paid versus how much locals pay. Uh, so there is all, there's always going to be that discussion on how can they maximize revenue 
and should they should they be paying international performers because if you really think about it on the, on the entertainment side it's it's all coming from the US Marvel is the US DC is the US all of these big brands all of these big names that comes with a heavy following Star Wars it's all made in the US but there is very much that ingrained discussion of it's international should we be paying should we recognizing should we be honoring because the US recognizes very little within the neighboring rights ecosystem as we know we have Sonic Exchange that pays on non-interactive digital. And that's it. But the biggest single payer, dollar for dollar, pound for pound, peseta for peseta is the US. And it's bigger than everyone else combined. So if you don't pay international, you are not going to get enough of the pie from somebody else. I want to go back to the thing about the broadcaster and which pot or pie this money is coming from for neighboring rights. If you take money away from one creative to pay another creative, then you're a bastard. You can't. You can't take it away from somebody else's income who also helped create it. Because what's gonna happen at the end of the day is you're buying yourself a lawsuit. So you're being penny wise, but dollar foolish. I think that we do need to take this conversation to the next level, which if you really think about it, we are ripping apart the creators. We're ripping apart and we are taking away from the creators as if we're entitled to it. And in essence, they need this money to survive because once they get, you know, the work for hire, they get paid and they move on. Then what? How are they supposed to make a living and continue creating? It's almost like we want to rip the benefits of having these creators creators deliver the sound message from the audiovisual, but then we want to rip them apart and take everything from them. I have a moral dilemma with this whole premise of our industry. We're taking away from the people that created, so I, I don't get it. Even when it comes to LATAM, let's use Brazil as an example. Did you guys know that up until December of last year, there was an, a royalty taxes being imposed on all of the international performers called CD taxes. So you pay 15% income taxes. And there was another 10% royalty fee called CD taxes being imposed. This tax is actually meant to be on exported goods, like tangible things, not music. And the government kind of included everything and just started taking 10% off. So that was another victory for us in December of last year. It hasn't been fully ruled that CD taxes on the music side has been permanently removed. The government can still make a case and reinstate it, but as of right now, it has not. So that was another victory that has been earned for the performers and master owners as well, international rights holders, that they don't have to pay the city taxes. It's been exciting, it's been challenging, it's been frustrating, but there is so much good that it's coming out of our industry as a whole in order to recognize neighboring rights. That was amazing. Sammy, I could listen to you for hours and, and to help you and support your work fabulously for the world. I appreciate it so much. I hope you've learned something today. Remember, go to www.iafar.co.uk and become a member of IFR. Put your questions to us, put your questions to Sammy, and we'll teach you something new next time. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody.